Welcome to On The Go, an on-road transportation podcast with Clean Cities. In this episode, we're talking about current research and applications of sustainable aviation fuel. To kick us off, let's introduce our hosts. I'm Molly Putzig. And I'm Joanna Allerhand. Today, we will be joined by two experts from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. They'll be discussing the benefits of sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF, how it is produced and distributed, key stakeholders, and current research. SAF is a near-term option that can help decarbonize the aviation industry. It's produced from renewable feedstocks and has a substantially lower carbon footprint compared to petroleum-based jet fuel. Here to tell you more are Christy Moriarty and Zia Abdullah. Let's get started. I am Christy Moriarty at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, and I typically work on infrastructure and getting a fuel from the point of production to the end use, and in this case, getting sustainable aviation fuel from wherever it's produced uh, onwards to an airport and into the airplane for flight. I'm Zia Abdullah. I'm the Bioenergy Technology Manager. I work with the DOE Bioenergy Technologies Office on various fuels and chemicals opportunities from renewable resources. Great, thank you so much for being here. Christy, can you get us started by telling us about what sustainable aviation fuel is? I sure can. Sustainable aviation fuel, which is also called SAF, I would say is more broadly defined as a fuel that's made from non-petroleum feedstocks, and it's a near-term alternative that reduces emissions from air transportation. For a more refined definition, that comes from the International Civil Aviation Organization, which is a United Nations agency that supports diplomacy and cooperation for air transport worldwide. They have made a, a wider definition of the fuel and SAF would achieve net greenhouse gas emission reductions on a life cycle basis, respect the areas of high importance for biodiversity, conservation, and benefits for people from ecosystems, and also contribute to local social and economic development and not have competition with food or water. So basically they want the fuel not only to help aviation, but also uh, the communities where the feedstocks are, are de developed and sourced from. And you touched on this, but can you expand on what the main benefits are of SAF? Yes, probably the most immediate benefit is SAF is a true drop-in fuel. When it is blended with the conventional jet A fuel that we use today, it can be used in existing infrastructure and aircraft. So that makes it a very near-term uh, viable fuel that's already in use today, and we expect to uh, expand use in the very near future here. So we'll see more of the SAF in use before we see uh, hydrogen or electrification coming into aviation. And also worldwide, aviation accounts for 2% of carbon dioxide emissions and 12% of transportation emissions. And NEAT-SAF that's been evaluated by Argonne, Greed, and others uh, has the potential to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 26 to 94%. And that's based on both the feedstock and the technology pathway. Of course, it depends on how much SAF is blended into the fuel, what the impact of that, that reduction is. Do you mind clarifying for the listener what gr the GREET model is? Uh, the GREET model looks at the life cycle 
uh, analysis benefits of many different fuels. It's funded by a DOE and it's at Argonne National Laboratory. Thank you. Great. So now we're hoping to talk a little bit about uh, production of SAF. So Zia, could you talk a little bit about how SAF is produced? SAF is produced by converting renewable feedstock to molecules which are identical to those that exist in conventional jet fuel today. So jet fuel today is called Jet A in the US, and the goal is to uh, for dropping fuels is to make molecules that are identical to existing uh, Jet A. Uh, this is done through biological or catalytic technologies that are embedded in processes that are similar to those used in conventional petroleum refineries. Uh, the enabling processes here are technologies that funnel the very diverse slate of molecules that are in renewable feedstock into essentially four molecule classes that exist in Jet A. These are called normal, cyclo, and isoalkanes, and aromatics. So in the end, um, drop-in SAF is identical to conventional jet fuel that is used today. Okay. So what feedstocks are SAF expected to use? Um, so conven conversion processes uh, by now have become so versatile that most uh, feedstocks that contain renewable carbon can in principle be converted to SAF. So the renewable feedstock can include woody and herbaceous biomass. It can include municipal solid wastes and even wastes such as sludges from farms, industry, food processing plants, and wastewater treatment facilities. All of this uh, material can be converted to SAF. Um, the Oak Ridge National Laboratory under funding from the DOE Bioenergy Technologies Office has uh, published a study called the Billion Ton Report. And this study concludes that the U.S. can sustainably produce over a billion tons of feedstock, renewable feedstock annually, and most of this feedstock can be converted to SAF. Okay, sounds like there are a lot of options out there. Uh, and who's producing SAF today? Uh, at present in the U.S., uh, SAF is being produced by World Energy in the refinery in Paramount, California. Uh, Nesty also imports SAF uh, into California from uh, their production facility in Singapore. And Jivo also has a production facility in Selsby, Texas. Okay. So, how much SAF is being produced today? At present, about um, four and a half uh, million gallons are produced annually in the U.S. Uh, and most of the SAF that is being produced uh, is using the HEFA process. HEFA stands for hydro-treated esters and fatty acids. Um, the feedstock for the HEFA process are vegetable oils, waste oils, fats, oils, and greases. Uh, and this can be converted using... Uh, uh, processes that are very similar to conventional refinery hydrotreating to, to SAF. Mm -hmm. So what are DOE's goals for fuel production in the future? Uh, DOE has set very aggressive goals to expand SAF production from about four and a half million gallons per year today to three billion gallons a year uh, by 2030 and 35 billion gallons a year by 2050. Wow, that's a lot. 
So what research is being done to expand production and reduce those costs? So we're all working very hard at this, and this research is being led by the Bioenergy Technologies Office. Uh, they are funding uh, several new conversion technology pathways uh, from renewable feedstocks to SAF at the national labs and other institutions. And uh, the goal here is to develop multiple options for conversion, and with each of these, uh, giving uh, reducing carbon emissions at least uh, by 70% and or more relative to fossil fuels. Uh, another goal is to help the existing corn ethanol industry uh, by uh, enabling the ethanol in, the ethanol that they produce to be converted to SAF and by enabling them to reduce their carbon intensity also by greater than 70% uh, reduction relative to fossil fuel. Uh, in addition, uh, the uh, the Bioenergy Technologies Office is also funding a very disciplined technology scale-up process through their annual funding opportunity announcements. Uh, technology risk during uh, scale-up is a significant barrier, and the DOE is working towards overcoming that barrier through their technology scale-up strategy. Uh, their goal is to actually build and operate four to five demonstration scale SAF facilities by 2030. Now that we've covered how SAF is produced, let's talk about how it's distributed. Christy, where is SAF being used today? Yes, as Zia said, there is a production facility in Paramount, California, which happens to be located quite near to Los Angeles. Uh, International Airport. So since 2016, uh, fuel from World Energy has been delivered and used at, at LAX uh, without issue. And in 2020 and 2021, we saw the expansion of SAF into several other airports, including San Francisco International Airport and Ontario International Airport, which is in California. And the reason that we see so much of the fuel in California is due to the low carbon fuel standard and the ability for fuel producers to receive the best price for their product. Now, as other states pass low carbon fuel standards or, or something similar to that, we should see expansion. And also, as Zia said, DOE has uh, these goals of much more expanded production, and we'll start to see it in other parts of the country. And also in 2021 in Colorado, at both uh, Telluride Regional Airport and Aspen Pitkin County airports, SAF was brought in at great distance um, by truck. And it just shows that you can get that fuel to some pretty remote areas if needed. And th those airports are pretty unique in that while they have some uh, regional commercial jets, they are dominated by uh, private jets in that area, but we will continue to see expansion in, into other airports over time. Great, and you mentioned trucks. Generally, how does SAF get from the production facilities to airports? Yeah, and that's a great, great question because when you look at Jet A, it's not blended. Like when we look at our on-highway transportation fuels, they're blended with with additives or maybe gasoline with ethanol. But when it comes to jet fuel, this is a, a different process. So as Zia was talking about production, either the SAF could be produced uh, at, at a petroleum 
uh, refinery where the renewable feedstock is is brought in. And if that occurs, it's just a business as usual. It's certified at the refinery. It goes through the pipelines, terminals, and onwards to the airport as it does today. For staff that's produced at a standalone plant, which is going to be the more likely scenario, uh, analysis that, that we did at NREL, and because of the strict quality standards that apply to jet fuel that we're all so grateful for, it really pointed towards blending uh, jet A and SAF at the terminal upstream from the airport and doing all the testing and, and certifying it as the ASTM D1655 fuel, which is the conventional jet fuel standard um, for delivery to the airport from, from the terminals. And that's what we've seen happening at uh, San Francisco airport as they've introduced it there. So it sounds like there's a lot going on and in room for a, a significant amount of growth in this area. Um, I also wanted to ask about what the the key who the key players are and what their roles are in SAF. So Zia, what is the federal government's role for SAF? Um, the federal government um, is currently uh, looking at uh, new technology development and scale up of this technology development. Uh, to demonstration scale, and this is so that um, the industry can um, can access the very diverse feedstock that's available. Uh, this includes uh, sustainable management of wastes and agriculture, uh, so that uh, this creates new economic uh, growth opportunities uh, for the country. Uh, the government is helping pivot the current ethanol industry to sustainable aviation fuels uh, and also uh, helping develop new chemical production opportunities along with the fuels so that uh, the economics of fuel production um, uh, becomes um, uh, much more attractive so that more investments are made in this uh, in this in this area and uh, there there is greater growth in in, in SAF production. Great. So, Christy, what is the role of airlines for SAF? So, with airlines, they generally enter into supply contracts with SAF producers. And that doesn't necessarily mean that money changes hands initially if the, the plant hasn't come online yet, but it gives a guaranteed output for that plant that allows investors to see that there's customers for that product and helps get those uh, SAF plants built. And in some instances, you might even see an airline. Uh, directly invest into a SAF production company. And as an example, United Airlines invested $30 million in Fulcrum Bioenergy, who is has a um, facility under construction in, in the Reno area. And also of consideration too with airlines, you know, airlines at the airport, they, they share the fuel infrastructure and the fuel, once it's in the system, it's not directed towards a particular uh, flight. So airlines, work together as a fuel consortium and just have to have an agreement where there might just be a, some of the airlines playing for the SAF, but all of the airlines are in agreement that that's allowable um, at the airport and it's not going to be dictated which particular aircraft that's going to receive the fuel. Okay, and then what is the role on the other side of the coin of the airports for SAF? Yeah, so airports don't buy jet fuel. However, 
They do have, with their airport authorities, emission mandates and environmental goals that SAF can help meet. And like I said, they don't buy the jet fuel, but they do typically, especially at larger airports, own the infrastructure, which they lease out uh, to the airline fuel consortiums. And those are generally operated by fixed-based operators. So what airports have done, particularly those in San, San Francisco and LAX and, and the airports that are already using it, as well as Seattle and, and Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, is they've brought together the various stakeholders, like the airlines, the fuel suppliers, the terminal, the pipeline owners, those fixed-based operators, to all come together to understand what the fuel is, what they're going to do, how they're going to get it there, What's the optimal place for blending? Um, and again, San Francisco, Seattle, Port Authority, New York, and New Jersey all did studies on that to figure out and prepare for bringing the fuel uh, to their airports. And even in some cases, uh, Seattle and Port Authority in New York, New Jersey in particular, also conducted an assessment to see uh, what regional SAF production might look like and and the logistics of that and looking at some of the benefits of a circular economy. Oh. You can use waste in your area um, and, and use the fuel there. So airports definitely have a role to play even though they themselves do not purchase jet fuel. That makes sense. Uh, well, it seems like there's a lot of great opportunities going on for SAF and this was really helpful in understanding just the basics and getting a picture of what things look like now and where we're headed. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much, Dee and Christy, for joining us and helping answer some of our questions. You're welcome. Thank you so much for, for asking us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Christy and Zia, for joining us and sharing your research and the current market status of SAF. Before we wrap up, we want to share a quick transportation news tidbit with you. What do you have for us this time, Molly? Our guest, Christy, recently published a report on U.S. airport infrastructure and sustainable aviation fuel. This report goes into more detail about current SAF production and distribution. It also provides information about quality standards and certification, as well as blending options. It's a great resource if you want to expand on today's discussion. You can find the report by searching afdc.energy.gov slash publications for SAF, that's S-A-F, or look for the link in the podcast description. Thanks for sharing that, Molly. That's it for this episode of On The Go. As we wrap up, I want to thank the U.S. Department of Energy's Vehicle Technologies Office and our team here at the National Renewable Energy Lab for their support. Also, a big thanks to Brittany Conrad and Vern Slocum, our podcast editors. We couldn't do it without you. If you want to learn more about Clean Cities and its partnerships to develop affordable, efficient, and clean transportation options to accelerate the development and widespread use of a variety of innovative transportation technologies, visit cleancities.energy.gov.